All right, let's jump in. Let's go to work this morning. John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Y'all like the Bible? Hey, look at your neighbor and tell them, I'm glad you came to church today. Can I just say, I know that you could have stayed in bed. You could have rolled over and said, not today. But you got out of that bed and you came to church. And I can tell you that's the best decision you made today. You decided to come to church and it's going to be worth it. Amen. I recommend you do it every week. John chapter 6. Let's jump into the Bible today. We're going to read a little bit. John 6 verse 1. It says, After this, Jesus went to the other side of the lake of Tiberias, which is also known as Lake Galilee. And a massive crowd of people followed him everywhere. They were attracted by his miracles and the healings they watched him perform. Jesus was doing his thing. And he was performing these miracles, and people were amazed by it. And they wanted to see what he was going to do next. Come on, anybody got an expectation? You're just wondering, what is God going to do next? I do, man. Sometimes I'm wondering, where does this come from? Like, why am I always anxious to see what God is doing next? And this is how these people were. And so they were attracted by his miracles and and these healings. And they wanted to see him in action. And verse 3, so Jesus went up the slope of a hill and sat down with his disciples. He's trying to have a staff meeting, okay? And now is approaching the time of the Jewish celebration of Passover. And there were many pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem that were gathered in the crowd. And as Jesus sat down, he looked out and saw the massive crowd of people scrambling. I'm going to stop right there. Because if you're here today and you feel like Jesus doesn't see what in the world is going on in your life, I want you to know he sees it, he knows it, and he's on the scene. Amen? He sees it, he knows it, and he's on the scene. And he sees these people. He looked out, a massive crowd of people scrambling up the hill, for they wanted to be near him. So he turned to Philip, this is one of his disciples, and he said, Where will we buy enough food to feed all these people? Jesus had an idea. He had a spontaneous idea that he was springing on his team. And we love when that happens. Am I right? At work when they just pop the spontaneous project on you. Can I get an amen? Or at home when you have your whole day planned and the spontaneous shows up. And now I have to do this and I have to do that. And I did not plan for this. And better yet... Is not on the calendar. Can anybody relate? And that day for Philip, this was not on his list. And this was not on his calendar. And Jesus said, we're going to get some food to feed these people. And I'm sure Philip was thinking, what is wrong with this guy? There's a lot of people here, Jesus. But then verse 6 is where I like it. Now Jesus already knew what he was about to do. He already knew what he was going to do. But he said this to stretch Philip's faith. Come on, Jesus. Why you want to do that to me today? Why did that happen this week? Why do you want to let this happen to me right now? Don't you see what I'm going through? Come on, am I talking to anybody? And he did it. He already knew what he was going to do. But he said this to stretch Philip's faith. And Philip answered, well, I suppose if we were to give everyone only a snack, 
it would cost thousands of dollars to buy enough food. But just then, Andrew, Peter's brother, spoke up and said, Look, here's a young person with five barley loaves and two small fish, but how far would that go with this huge crowd? Verse 10, here we go. It's good. Have everyone sit down, Jesus said to his disciples. Sometimes you just got to tell people, just sit down. Just sit down. Hey, we sang it a moment ago. Seated with him in heavenly places. Sometimes we live like we're running around. Amen? Sometimes you got to sit down. And he says, have them all sit down, Jesus said to his disciples. So on the vast grassy slope, more than 5,000 hungry people sat down. That's a lot of people. And then Jesus then took the barley loaves and the fish and gave thanks to God. He then gave it to the disciples to distribute to the people. Miraculously, the food multiplied with everyone eating as much as they wanted. Philip's thinking, I think we can pull off a snack here. But they had more than a snack. They had a meal. And there was plenty. Come on, somebody. Say plenty. When everyone was satisfied, Jesus told his disciples, Now go back and gather up the pieces left over so that nothing will be wasted. And the disciples filled up 12 baskets of fragments, a basket of leftovers for each disciple. A little Rubbermaid. You know what I'm saying? A little Rubbermaid after Thanksgiving. Because tomorrow we're going to make a gumbo with this turkey. Let's go, somebody. It's that time of the year. That's a lot of food. It didn't look good when it started, but now it's looking really, really good. And even the ones that were a part of doing the work, it looked like perhaps they were just going to do the work of the miracle. They didn't realize that the miracle was going to send them home with some more. We don't always look at it this way, though, because we're so pressed by the moment. We're so pressed by everything that is happening in our lives. And sometimes it takes a faith adjustment in a church service to sing a song like He is my champion to get us to think straight so that whenever we hear scripture like this, we begin to realize, wait a minute, He sees me. Wait a minute, He hasn't forgotten about me. I've been hungry for a little while, but He's got some leftovers waiting to send me home with today. We forget it sometimes. And all the people were astounded as they saw with their own eyes the incredible miracle Jesus had performed. And they began to say among themselves, He really is the one, the true prophet we've been expecting. Father, today, we need you to make your word come alive to us. We heard it. We're getting excited about it. But Father, we need it to be planted in our hearts like a seed that's going to produce the harvest in our lives. And so, Father, I ask you now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that every word spoken in this room will not be spoken as void, but it will be spoken as life-giving and life-changing words. Father, let it feed our souls today. Let it awaken our spirit. Let it cause our faith to believe in you like we have never believed before. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And amen. Today, I want to take a few minutes to talk about um, faith. Faith. 
Now, this is such a common topic that whenever you begin to mention it, for those uh, who may be a little more seasoned in the faith, they will approach a service like this and say, really? Like we've done this before. We understand how faith works. And I think we understand the concept of faith much better than we understand and operate in the practice of faith. Because you can come into a setting like this and get excited. You can come into a setting like this and be inspired. You can hear the songs and feel better about your situation. But in a little bit, you're going to return to it. And you will go into problem-solving mode, and you're trying to figure this out and that out. And when you can't figure it out, it becomes very frustrating. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And the frustration, it usually puts you right back into the place that you were in before you got here today. And so if we're not careful, we will continually just work this thing to the place that we get fired up on Sundays. And then through the week, we're just lulling through everything, only to go back and get fired up again on Sundays. And I believe that God wants us to live for so much more than just inspiration on Sunday. Amen? I do. I believe there's something that God can do in our hearts that opens our eyes to see things in a way that we have never seen it before. Because there are some things that we are going through that we can't understand why it just won't end. Can I get an amen? Why it won't go away? Why is it still happening? And it puts you in this place of believing that God isn't on the scene and that God isn't doing anything. But if we look through Scripture enough, we will see that sometimes God has a way of doing things that He's trying to get more to happen than what we're just praying for. Amen? Because we just want relief. Just make it go away, make me happy, take the stress away. And God is trying to develop some things in us. And sometimes that development process just takes some time. Amen? It takes some time. And I think it takes time because we're some stubborn people. Now, I know you're tempted to look at your neighbor and tell them you're stubborn. I wouldn't recommend that right now. Because I would have you look at the other person and say, you too. And so we're all in that same boat. We're hard-headed, we're stubborn, and we like things to happen fast. Am I right? Make it happen now. Make it happen now. And so we have what I, I would like to call this Clark Kent Superman faith. Do you remember that, that whole little show with this superhero? Clark Kent, he was this office worker, and when all hell would break loose in the city, he would run to a phone booth to hurry up and change into a whole different being to go and face the issues that he's dealing with in that area. And I don't believe that you and I were meant to be Clark Kent type of Christians, amen? Just like I don't believe we were meant to be Superman. I believe we were meant to be sons and daughters that understand that we have a heavenly father that already knows what he's going to do. That's why I wanted to read this today, because he already knew what he was going to do. And what if it takes some of the things that we're walking through for him to do some of the things that he wants to do in you? Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to me. You thought I was going to say he's talking to you. He's talking to me. I've tried to understand why are you picking on Philip? Like Jesus, what did Philip do to you that you want to single that brother out that day? And I wonder that about myself sometimes. Jesus, what did I do to you to get that phone call? 
And what did I do to you that that person had to email me? Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? What did I do to get this project? What did I do, Jesus? Like, just talk to me. We're grown people here. Just have a simple conversation with me. And if you tell me, we're good. And sometimes he just won't tell you. He'll ask you a question. And I've matured a bit in my spiritual walk with the Lord. And I've learned that when he asks you a question, it doesn't mean I need to answer it. You know what I'm saying? That means I probably just need to figure out how to do it. And that's what was going on right here with Philip. The context of it, though, to bring it into our series, Are You Ready? We're sharing about church vision. I see this crowd of people sitting on the side of hill as a gathering of believers. Now, if you've been following this series, any we have talked about the church is the assembly or the gathering together of believers. That's what we are. We are the church. And in this story, it's similar. This is a gathering together of believers. And Jesus already knew what he wanted to do. But he asked Philip a question because in what he is trying to do, he's going to stretch Philip's faith. And for you and I to be a part of the gathering of believers, to be a part of the church, we must understand that every one of us have the possibility of being Philip. That the Lord may ask you something because he already knows what he wants to do, but he's doing it because he wants to stretch your faith in the process. Stretch. Some of us, when we woke up this morning, we had to stretch a little bit. You know what I'm saying? A few things were tight, and it's just, I, I, need, I need to stretch. Yesterday, in our men's small group, we talked about stretching. Am I right, guys? Stretch a little bit. And it's not fun always to stretch. Like when you stretched with your finances. Can anyone relate? When you're stretched with your time. When you're stretched with all these things that you have to do. I've come to find out that stress isn't my problem. Stretch is. Amen? It's the stretch that's hurting me. Not the stretch. The stress is just the result of the stretching. And wondering now, when you look at it in this context, could God be trying to stretch me? Because it's part of what he's trying to do. Now, I know as a preacher that that could put you in the place that you don't like him a whole lot right now, especially if you are stretched. Can I get an amen? amen? Like, Jesus, what are you doing to me? Can't you see what you're doing? And he knows exactly what he's doing. I will take it a step further that perhaps the stretching that he's doing in your life, it may benefit you in some way, but it may benefit others too. And sometimes we forget some prayers that we prayed like this. Y'all ready? Lord, I ask you to use me. <laughs> Anybody ever prayed that prayer before? Hey, and it's something you in the middle of that song and worship, and you just like worshiping the Lord. You just in it, man. And it's just like it's the songs coming out of your mouth. You're just singing it. And, and somehow or another, it happens, man. You just slide it out. Lord, use me. And now that you heard this message, you're like, why do I do that? Why would I do that? I already don't have time. We're broke, like a joke. 
You know what I'm saying? My kids are going crazy. Like, we could go down the list of all this stuff, Jesus. The dryer doesn't work, Lord. I'm stretched. That's not what's happening in my life. I'm using it as an example. My dryer works. Tap on wood right now, if that even works. Why would he stretch us, though? Why would he do that? Why would he pick on Philip and stretch him? Philip didn't even come up with the answer. Andrew did. I don't even know if it was a good answer. I don't know if Jesus was like, well, this is what we got, so we'll work with it. But it worked. And everybody ate. And everybody went home with some leftovers. Like, that's a good day, if you ask me. It wasn't much that they started with, but it was a whole lot whenever they left. But what I need you to see, it was the result of some stretching. Like, this little boy that had to give up his five loaves and two fish. Now, I've been around kids. I've been around young men, little boys. They don't particularly care to give up their lunch. Can I, can I hear a good amen right there? I mean, we hungry. We like to eat, and I'm doing math. I'm looking at the five loaves and two fish, and I'm looking at all these people, and I see that one guy over there that looks like he can eat all this by himself. Y'all ever did that math? Like when you're eating hibachi, and you're all the way on the end, and they're flinging out the shrimp? <laughs> Amen? If you're on the wrong end, you might get two. The first guy got 12. You better pick wisely. Just priceless wisdom that you get here at Emerge Church on Sundays. Priceless. This young man had to stretch. I think about Andrew going to Jesus. Hey, I got, I got a solution. Five loaves and two fish. Not knowing if that's really going to work or not. But he had to be bold enough to go to Jesus with it. Philip at least said it's good. he did some accounting real quick. You see different personalities in this too, by the way. Andrew's like, it's, it's going to cost a few thousand. It's not in the budget, Jesus. <laughs> but yet it happened. Because Jesus already knew what he was going to do. And it benefited a body of believers, but it required some stretching. Why do I bring this up? Because we are quick to ask Jesus for many things. Yeah. Jesus, come and move. Yeah. What are you asking for? Yeah. Do you even know? Like, are we talking about like moving, moving, like moving to a new residence? And that's a fun thought until you have to move and load the truck and box everything up. And no one likes to move. And if you do, what is wrong with you? Right? But we'll say, Jesus, come and move. Jesus, come and move in my life. I remember when Cynthia had a roommate move in with her. Hmm. I could tell you stories about the cat that she had. I could tell you stories about the junk that she had. And when you're the boyfriend of the person who has the place, you wind up helping do all the moving stuff. You know what I'm saying? I'm scarred a little bit by it. But whenever you start praying, Lord, move, do you know what you're asking for? Whenever you say things like, Lord, I will follow you. Does that mean until I find a better way? Seriously, like, like, do we realize what we're saying whenever we pray these prayers? Because sometimes what we're saying and what we're meaning is two different things. And so when the Lord responds to that prayer, oftentimes it doesn't, we think it doesn't look like the Lord because it looks more like us. 
then it looks like him. And that moment, it kind of reveals us. It kind of shows us where we're actually at. And the reason why I want to bring this up today, it's because as being a part of the body believers, the church, you and I must understand that by being the gathering of believers, God would stretch you in your faith for the sake of the body of believers. He will stretch you and not just, listen, I know I've been the pastor of the church since we started this thing and it would make a lot of sense for my faith to get stretched, right? I mean, you the pastor, you started this. I mean, that's yours, bro. That's your deal. A little girl told us the other night, you own the church. No, I don't own the church. I promise you, I don't own it. Okay, y'all? I I don't. I'm just responsible for it, and that's scary. Obviously, the Lord would stretch me and Cynthia, obviously. But whenever we start presenting to you that the Lord would stretch you, it's like, whoa, whoa. I didn't sign up for this, Pastor Wade. I am stretched in so many ways already in my life. And I'm just trying to keep that under my roof. And now you want to talk about bringing this into the church house. Yeah. Because it's part of the developmental process of your life. Because believe it or not, God is using the body of Christ to help you become who he wants you to be. And the issue that we have isn't trying to figure out who we want to be. It's how we're going to believe. Seriously, it's how we are going to believe. And one of the things that I have become very uh, observant of is that we live in a world that is unsure what it actually believes. And whenever it gets te- their beliefs get tested, they tend to go all over the place. You've heard me refer to it like this before, the buffet of belief. And we walk through all of these different beliefs like it's a buffet line. It was like, I like that. I will put that on my plate. I don't like that, so I will not put it on my plate. And we walk through and we weave through, but then we pray prayers that require a bunch of faith that is not even on our plate and try to figure out why God isn't feeding me right now. And God's like, it's, it's there. You're just not eating it. Because we prefer... The sweet stuff. Amen? The sweet stuff. Give me the sugar. Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. I like the sugar. I like the sweet stuff. Well, we've raised kids long enough to know that you can't just eat the sweet stuff. Okay? You're going to have cavities and you're going to be crazy. I need you all to hear what I just said because all you're thinking about is your dentist bill. And all you're thinking about is you gave that kid sugar after 8 p.m. and that kid's just running around. This is what I'm saying. There's a lot of cavities in our lives that we're trying to fill with all this stuff. And we're running around crazy because we got our fill on things. Are y'all seeing? Are are y'all seeing that? On things that were never meant to fill you. And so we're running around and we don't really know what we believe, but we're reacting to everything everybody says and we're saying a lot. And we're just like a kid who had sugar after 8 p.m. Bro, you need to calm down. You <laughs> know what I'm saying? How many of you were that kid? <laughs> Still that kid. <laughs> and so today I'm going to take a few minutes to talk about um, faith from the aspect, not just to get you fired up and like, yeah, let's go do this. Let's go tear down the kingdom of darkness and let's move ahead with the kingdom of God. Okay, calm down. I know you're fired up, but do you know how to execute? 
Do you know how to walk this life of faith out, actually? Because whenever I look at Scripture and I understand that God is developing us, it is one thing to feel really good about it. It's a funny thing. Whenever my kids take a test, we ask them afterwards, well, how was it? This is the standard answer. I feel really good about it. And there have been tests where they felt really good about it, (laughs) and it wasn't good. There have been tests where they're like, I don't know. I don't feel too good about that one. And then they'll wind up with a 95. Can't trust those feelings, y'all. Okay? Like, you can turn on your black eyed peas. I got a good feeling. You know what I'm saying? Tonight's going to be a good night. That's not true all the time. Sometimes it's just a night. And my daughter's looking at me like, I can't believe you used that reference. Did it for you, baby. (laughs) Sometimes you got to embarrass them. So what I thought we would do, first of all, is a little recap. And I thought we would walk through part of our statement of faith today. That's different. Am I right? I don't know how many time, how many views we're going to get on YouTube for this one. But that's all right. Because if it helps you to live a life of faith and keep it on the tracks, guess what? You'll be glad we did this. Amen? Let's recap what we've talked about the last few weeks. We started out this thing, and it was a question, are you ready? If God were to answer every prayer that you ask, are you really ready for that? Like, are you really ready for him to answer those prayers? Because it's going to mean something for you. I wonder if Philip prayed the prayer, Lord, use me. And Lord thought, well, today's a good day. A lot of hungry people. Philip, let's get to work. (laughs) Are you ready for that? We're ready for an answer, but are we ready for what God wants to do to get the answer? And when we begin to talk about church, we have to understand that we do have an answer, but God wants to use you to bring the answer, to be the answer to a world that is in need. Amen? And so we established that the vision of our church is we lead people to follow Jesus so they can live out God's plans for their life. How many of you believe God's got a plan for your life? God's got a plan for you. And part of your plan isn't just for you, it's for others too. That's what he's trying to show Philip. Hey, you're going to be my disciple? It ain't going to be long, Philip, before you're going to be leading other people. And so I probably ought to get you in and do a little pilot program, let you shadow me before I go so that you know what in the world to do whenever I ascend into heaven. This is what's happening here. And Philip just saw it as a challenge. He didn't realize this was part of the development process. And so for you and I, it's this understanding that the vision for a church isn't just a statement, but it's a calling. And it's not just a calling for the pastor, but it's a calling for the people that call this church home. Amen? So this is our calling. And I believe this, that the call of God that he has placed on your life, it should line up with the call of God that is on this church. And the call of God on this church is simple. It's the Great Commission. Go and make disciples. That is the call of God. And if our mission statement, our vision doesn't align with that, we're in trouble. And so all of the vision and mission statements of our lives personally should aim in that direction. And if it doesn't, God isn't obligated to bless it. I know. I don't like that a whole lot because I like doing my things. But I realize that all the blessings that I want and all of the help that I want, it's not going to be found in me doing my own thing. It's going to be found in me doing and being a part of his thing. Amen? 
It is. And I love being in that place because I get to see God work in so many ways, and you can too. And so when we talked about the calling, we gave a few words. We gave four words to really define what that looks like. As a church, we're called to reach people. Amen? We reach up to God in worship. We reach out to people. That's what we do, and our job is to get them connected. If people, if more of our friends and family could have an encounter like what you had during those first three songs, you already know, well, they're going to be crying during that last one. That champion song, that's a strong one, man. I know. And if, if, if we can reach people and they sit in that presence, God's going to begin to work on their hearts. And they will find Jesus. Do y'all believe that? And so we're reaching, but we're also serving because we understand nothing just happens. It doesn't just, like church doesn't just happen because we wanted it to happen today. There are people all across this campus that are serving in so many different capacities and they were doing it with the hopes that some person could walk through those doors and have an encounter with God that could change their life forever. Thank God they serve, am I right? That's what our dream team does and I love that. But we don't just serve in church, we serve as the church, amen? When our community, we can serve as the church, and that's an opportunity for us to be a light. And so we reach, we serve, we give. We give. That's right. We give. We give money. We do. Because money makes things happen. You say, I don't believe that. Yes, it does, and you know it. You can't get that car unless you got money. Makes things happen. Can't buy happiness. Y'all thought I was going to sing it, huh? (laughs) But I'm not. We give because when we give, we're like God. Look at that. When we give, we're the most like God. And when we give, you know what it does? It furthers our reach. That's what it does. It furthers our reach. We're able to reach out in parts of the world that we're not at physically, but we can reach out through our finances and help others do what God's called them to do in those places. That's powerful. That's why we give. And then we build. And what are we trying to build? I know we're trying to build a great church, but we want to build faith, help people to believe. We want to build families. Amen? We want to build futures because we're going somewhere. Amen? And so this is what we've been talking about over the last few weeks. Okay? So today, as we're looking at this, obviously we're reading the story about feeding the 5,000. Incredible miracle. All right? And Jesus is stretching Philip's faith. And it is impossible to talk about church without talking about faith. In fact, it's impossible to talk about Jesus without talking about faith. It's impossible to be saved without faith. You know that? Like so much, everything about Jesus, everything about the kingdom of God, it's all operated how? Through faith, because everything God does involves faith. And so as a church, we do have a responsibility to help people to find a place to belong. Am I right? Like when you invite friends and families to Emerge Church, you know what you want them to feel like? I'm home. Right? And we work towards helping people to feel like they're at home here. That's part of our mandate as a church. But we also have a mandate to help people learn what they need to believe. We do. Because there has to be a direction that our faith is coming from beyond the TV screen. Beyond the media, can I get an amen? Behind, beyond, way beyond social media, by the way. Way beyond social media. There's got to be a place that points to Jesus. That points to the Holy Scripture. Which is why today I want to take a few moments to talk about 
our statement of faith because we do live in a world that believes just about anything. In fact, when I was speaking the message last week about we want to be the kind of church that reaches anyone, it is possible for people to take those things out of context thinking that we think anything is okay. And that's just not true. Can I get an amen? And it's challenging because in the cultural world that we live in, there's become a lot of preferences and what people believe, even to the point that they would discount some things they once believed as truth and twist it and turn it to accommodate a trend. Amen? And this has been happening at an alarming rate in our culture. And so what people tend to do is they label what churches believe by the loudest people in that church. And can I tell you, you might be loud, but you may not always represent what we actually believe. And we've got to become wise enough to know that loud isn't always true. So maybe I should whisper it today. I'm not loud because I like to be loud. I just get excited. Okay? I'm an emotional person. I'm emotional about this. As a church that takes on the mission to reach anyone, we don't just believe anything. This is important, okay? Because rather than following cultural trends of belief, we follow biblical truths. This is different. This is different than how the world does it, okay? And we may vary in our methods of ministry through the years. We probably will. And you know what? We probably should. Seriously, we probably should. But we will always adhere to God's word as the foundation of our ministry. Always. And as I've been working through this series, I'm like, Lord, when do we get to the good part? You know, because like there are things I want to share with you, but I feel like the Lord's like, no, you need to talk about this first and this first. And and, and it's like, when do we get to the fun stuff? But I'm realizing that you won't get to enjoy the fun stuff unless you go through this stuff first. Like if we're going to have a party, somebody's got to set up for it. Am I right? And so we just setting up the party. And so we have what's called a statement of faith as a church that states our doctrinal beliefs. And these are what I would call essential beliefs that we have as a church. And most of the time, churches will post them on their website. And a lot of people will go through and look at them. And a lot of times, people have no clue what in the world they're looking at. But they're usually looking for one or two things. They're hot-button issues to see. Ah, do they kind of believe what I believe about this or about that? And it's never the foundational stuff. It's never the foundational stuff. It's all the trendy stuff. Like people want to know, what do you believe about um, marriage? Want to know what you really, really, really believe about about marriage? Because, you know, Pastor Way, the views on marriage in our world have really evolved through the years. And we as a church, we need to evolve on that. And we need to be culturally sensitive to that. And here's what I, I would say. We definitely need to be culturally sensitive in our, in our communication, but we cannot stray away from our foundation of biblical truth. And you may say, Pastor, well, you need to be very careful how you say that. And I would agree with you that we need to be careful how we say that, but we also need to be very, very careful to keep the house on the foundation or else the whole house will fall. And if the whole house falls, that benefits no one. Amen? 
And so if you're, you're wondering what we believe when it comes to marriage, I believe what the Bible says. We believe what the Bible says. It's meant to be between one man and one woman, one woman for life. And that's not speaking out against anyone because people will do whatever they want, y'all. Y'all do know that, right? Like, we can stand up today and preach on lying. And I mean, just preach the mess out of it, Chrome. Like, just bring it, lying, lying. I am not going to stop a person from lying. They're still going to lie. When we begin to present truth, it's always met with ideas, reasoning. It's met with all of this stuff. We have to make a decision as a believer. And this is why I say it's a stretch of faith. We have to make a, a decision as a believer. Am I going to stretch my faith because it's a stretch to stay committed to biblical truth? It will stretch you because when you have a relationship with a friend that may believe differently than you do, and they begin to question your beliefs, can you stay where you're at, committed to the values that you have, or do you feel like you need to change to accommodate someone else's preference? And this is so important because, again, if we're not careful, we can wind up all over the place. Amen? And let me say this, because I want to get to this. Let me say this. We must be very wise in how we talk about this stuff. Amen? Because I've seen a lot of people over the last couple of years especially that would jump online on a social media post to shout what they believed. And I listen, I get it what you believe, but have you ever shared who Jesus is with somebody before you shouted everything you believed about the issue? And I do believe there's a place to talk about the issues, but let's keep it in context of really what we're called to do as a church. Amen? Amen? This is so important because if we're not careful, we will try to be accommodating to every type of belief, and we won't even know what we believe. And we will raise up sons and daughters who don't know what they believe, and they will be all over the place thinking it's normal to eat from the buffet of belief. Amen? So let's look at this. The first thing, when you look at the statement of faith, it's God. God. The creator of everything. The creator of life. And already we run into an issue. Because what's being taught in our biology classes, in our science classes, does not teach that God is the creator of everything. It doesn't. And so as a believer, we're automatic, just with the first one, we're automatically put into place of what do we believe? And like, what are we teaching our kids? Because they're going to come in contact with it, and they may come home and ask you the question, well, what do we believe? Oh, just go do your homework. Oh, what do we believe? Oh, I don't know. Just go do your homework. Leave me alone. And then we'll just freak out. Well, God created everything. Well, then the kid goes in the classroom, and they're in 10th grade class. Or no, no, what is it, like 8th grade uh, environmental science? 8th grade. And they're raising their hand, and they're trying to debate a teacher about evolution. And all I got is, my daddy said God created everything. Stretch. And trust me, as a parent, we've been in those places. But do you know what you believe about God? Have you settled it that God is the creator of everything? And maybe you haven't, and that's okay. We have settled. God's created it all. Do I think there could be an evolution process? Possibly. But at the end of the day, I believe God did it. Amen? It's just too incredible. It is just too incredible. And so when we look at God, God is the creator of everything. He is the Father. He is the Almighty. There is nothing above Him. 
at all. And so that comes into context with, I'm not above God. He is the Lord of all. Amen? And have you settled in your mind, that's who he is. That's who he is in my life. And we must stretch ourselves to the place to where we say, that's who he is in my life. That's what I believe. This is what the body of believers as a church, this is what we believe, that God is the creator of all life. He is the Father. He is the Lord God Almighty. And you can't change my mind about it. Not going to do it. Can, can we be that kind of believer that we believe that? Or do we want to just kind of see what comes our way? Let's go to the next one. Jesus. Jesus is the son of God, born of the Virgin Mary, who is the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to heaven. The only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ, not through good works. When you are saved by Jesus, you were saved to do good works. You're not saved by good works. Meaning this, you can't earn salvation. It's a free gift that God has freely given to you. And this, was, this is what someone would say. Well, that's just kind of hard to believe, Pastor Wade. And I would agree. That's why it is a miracle. Amen? And so you and I are saved because we believe. So how can you know I'm forgiven about this thing that I did that was really, really, really bad? Well, I have to trust that Jesus and the price that he paid on the cross by suffering and shedding his blood was the price meant to pay for all of the sins that I committed so that I could be forgiven. And because of what he has done on the cross enables me to be forgiven so now I can walk in righteousness. That's who Jesus is. And the only way to heaven is through Jesus. Culturally, they have told you there are many roads to heaven or whatever you want to call the higher dimension. They believe this. And listen, by saying this, we're not being insensitive to anyone. This is what the Bible, the foundation of what we believe says. And so this is what we believe. And we have to make a decision. Am I going to believe that or am I just going to see what I'm going to believe as I go? I believe the word of God. Amen. The Holy Spirit is God's spirit. It's not a spiritual force and it's not an it. It's a he. Because it's God's spirit and God has given you and I his spirit to empower us, to enable us. Amen. To comfort us, to counsel us, to give us wisdom in the decisions because the Holy Spirit can go everywhere with us. We need him at work. Can I get an amen? We need him in that meeting. And y'all know exactly what meeting I'm talking about. Where you at, Holy Spirit? You better talk to me because I'm about to talk to somebody wrong. God has given us his Holy Spirit to help us out. He's described in the Bible as the helper. And we believe in the Holy Spirit. Amen? I need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. And so we can be led by the Spirit, but we also can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if we're filled with the Spirit, there's going to be fruit in our lives to show it, okay? So we got the Holy Spirit, and now we got the Bible. I should have started with this. The Bible is the infallible Word of God. There, You can go on YouTube right now, and you can search, does the Bible have contradictions? And you're going to find a ton of videos that try to show you every single contradiction. Then you can search, is the Bible infallible? And you're going to find all kind of people that says it's infallible. You can find whatever you're looking for is what I'm telling you. 
You look for dirt on somebody, you're going to find it. I had somebody let me know a little something on me today. And I'm glad they told me because I didn't need you to see me like that. If you look for it, you'll find it. The Bible, though, this is so important, okay? It's the foundation and guide to our beliefs, our practices, and even our behaviors as a believer. It is. Now, sometimes when we read the Bible, we take it out of context. And, because, and I, I, I can tell you this. Back when I was a kid, my parents didn't let me date. I found Bible scriptures to try to convince them to let me date. I'm telling you, man, you can, you can twist Song of Solomon. You can twist it, man. And people do this to this day. I've even seen people try to argue the Bible, and they read one verse and try to sum up the entire Bible from one verse, and they miss the whole thing. By the way, can I let you in on a secret? The whole point of the Bible is to point you to Jesus. That's the whole point of the Bible. That's the short story, okay? But the Bible is the foundation. I've, I've hit his word in my heart that I might not sin against him. His word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my paths. Are, are, are y'all catching this? And so th- this is what I'm saying, is that a lot of times as a culture, we will take portions of the Word of God and use it in these different contexts, but we'll take it completely out of the context that it was meant for. You know what I'm saying? Because we're trying to fulfill a narrative. And that's not how Scripture was supposed to be used. Scripture is authoritative. It is inspired and is breathed by the Holy Spirit. And yes, there were some people that wrote it that has committed sin. But God has been using like people who are messed up all through the ages to do his work, and he's not going to stop. That doesn't take away from what God has said. Amen? And it's a choice. And if you want to choose not to go with it, that is okay. Like, I'm not going to twist your arm or be mad at you, but I can tell you that you won't have a sure foundation. And it will always be changing with every cultural trend that will come, and it's going to lead to confusion. Amen? One more. We believe the local church is God's plan to reach the world. The local church, that's us. Not just preachers, the church, amen? Look at your neighbor and say, not just preachers, but you. You. So the statement of faith is what we believe. And I'll say it like this. It's like train tracks. This is, this is how... We roll. Can I say it like that? This is how we roll. This is the track that we're running on. And so we have the statement of faith, but we also have core values of faith. And I'm going to read them to you as we finish up this message. Because this, these core values that you see all along the wall here, they're much more than just cool sayings. Talked a little bit about what we believe, but this is how we operate in what we believe. Like like the first one, it's all about Jesus. Doesn't that just make sense that a church <laughs> that follows Holy Scripture would have a valuable belief that says it's all about Jesus? Because if we make it all about us, we get in trouble because it's selfish. It is. But the whole point of church is it's all about Jesus. It really is. Whenever you and I make the decision to follow Jesus, this is what we say. I make you the Lord of my life. Notice it doesn't say, Jesus, come and follow me. But we say, Jesus, I will follow you. He already knew what he was going to do. 
Remember we read that earlier? I knew what he was going to do. He's got a plan. But I can't fulfill his plan running this thing on my own. It's all about Jesus. And you will notice the change in your life when you make it all about Jesus rather than it being all about you. It'll change your marriage. It'll change how you raise kids. It'll change your perspective. It's all about Jesus. The second one, life is better together. We need each other. The days of going solo as a believer is over. Can't do it. Loneliness, isolation for believers. Well, I don't believe you have to go to church. I do. I do. I believe that a believer should have a consistent attendance in church. And that's not coming at no one because I, I, that's what I've practiced. And I believe that's what we should practice as believers. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. That's what it says in the book of Hebrews. We're better together. Small groups, you should see that as this is exactly what this is talking about. Seriously, you should get in a small group. Here's another one. We grow as we go. You know what that's saying? I can't just sit here and wait for everything to get perfect before I do something. That means I take a step and that step grows me. I take another step and I grow some more. And if I keep stepping, next thing you know, I have what's called a walk with God. And if I keep stepping, I keep walking. If I keep walking, I keep growing. We grow as we go. Here's the next one. Everyone has a part. Everyone has a part. You have a part in what God is doing. Because notice, even though Jesus asked Philip, how are we going to do this? And even though Andrew brought the food from the little boy, Jesus had all of them, all the disciples. You go give some over there. You go give some over there. And they were all part, watch this, of not just feeding people. They were part of a miracle. And this is what God does with us. He opens the door and says, I can do it all. He does. He says, I'm good enough. I can do it all. But I want to give you a part in doing what I do. Everyone has a part. Do you see where that's coming from now? Whatever it takes. We had this before the Avengers got it. I promise you. We were watching that movie and they started saying whatever it takes. I looked at Elijah and Judah and I said, they stole it from us. It was ours. It's been here for years. But it's this understanding of sacrifice. Whatever we have to do to be who God wants us to be and what God wants us to do, we will do. It will cost sacrifice, but we have seen the value of sacrifice through Jesus. Amen? Whatever it takes. Number six, anything is possible. Anything. What is that? I believe God can do it. Yeah, but the doctor said, I know, and I'm so thankful we have doctors, but I'm going to believe God for healing. Amen? Amen? And I'm going to pray for the doctor that God will use him. Amen? We're not crazy. Just commit it to God. That's all. But we want to be in the place where we believe that anything is possible. We want to believe that God can turn the marriage around. God can touch the kid. We want to believe that God can heal the stuff that most people think, well, you're just going to have to deal with it for the rest of your life. I want us to be the church that believes that God can do it. Amen? That anything is possible. And the last one is we want to be a church that believes that the best is yet to come and not just think that the best days are behind us. But I believe our best days are yet to come. And maybe you're older and you think, I don't know. I would say to you, you haven't seen anything yet because these disciples, they were just trying to go to the house. But Jesus already knew what he wanted to do. And he stretched them a little bit and they got to be a part of a miracle they never ever thought they wanted to be a part of. And you and I get the benefit 
thousands of years later to be talking about them being a part of a miracle. It affected their life and everyone there, and it's still affecting our lives today. And there's generations coming after us that will stand up and declare the works of God because we stretched a little bit, because we kept our faith on the track, amen? And we chose to believe consistently and committedly in a world that was all over the place. And we got away from the buffet of belief, and we got in the Bible, amen? We got in the Word of God, and we built our lives on a solid foundation. And the storms came, and the floods rose, but the house stood because it was a solid foundation. That's who we are, church. That's who we are. This is the church. This is who we're called to be. Do you believe it? Stand to your feet. You thought it was going to be boring. Fire it up now. But tackle somebody. Don't you run out, Jeremy Thorpe. I will tackle you right now. You're a big boy, but I can put you down. This is what I know. God's building a church. He's building this church. But when I say that, this is what I need you to hear. That he's building you. And he's building me. And the question that I ask you today is this. Are you ready to stretch your faith? Are you ready to stretch your faith for what God's trying to build? Watch this. Even before we talk about church, are you willing to stretch your faith for God to build your house? Because he'll stretch your faith. You don't believe me? I can, I can point you to a lot of moms and dads in here that said I had to believe God in ways I never thought I had to believe him before to get to where I'm at today. It's a stretch. Are you ready to step away from the buffet of belief and build your life on the word of God, the truths of the word of God? Are we ready to break the stronghold of culture and commit to Christ? Seriously, you're ready to put your faith into action. And, and, and instead of trying to be an activist about all this stuff, just be a believer that, that it's not just a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. Amen? I hear it and I put it into action. I'm not trying to prove anyone wrong. I'm trying to help people get right. Okay? Amen? I'm trying to help people to get right. This is what God's calling us to do. But it's going to stretch us. You'll have conversations that stretch you. This sermon probably stretched you today because I may have said things that you didn't agree with. And that's okay. Amen? I have disagreements with people from time to time. They have disagreements with me. I don't mean we got to go separate ways. It just means we got to figure it out. Amen? That's what it means. I hope you still love me. I still love you. You might think I'm crazy. That's been confirmed a long time ago. And yet, you're still here. Are you ready to stretch? Are you ready to stretch in faith for the next season of what God wants to do here at Emerge? Like, seriously. It's going to stretch us. It's going to be all right, though. Because if we stretch, we're going to grow. If we stretch, we're going to reach people. Seriously. But it's going to take some stretching. Father, the idea of stretching puts us in a place of uncertainty sometimes because we will all say there's only so much I can take. 
But Jesus, today we have acknowledged that you already know what you want to do. And not just in situations, you already know what you want to do in us. And today we accept that. Father, we also understand that there are things that you're going to put in our path. Problems that you put in our path. People that you put in front of our path. That is going to stretch us. And I just pray, Father, that in the stretch, that we won't quit. But that we will remain faithful. And Father, I just pray over every person now. Come on, lift your hands all across this room. That there will be a foundation to our faith. Not just a feeling but a foundation that we would live beyond inspiration and get to the place that we understand with conviction what it means to follow you, what it means to acknowledge who you are as God, to acknowledge Jesus as the Lord and Savior of our lives, to be led and filled by your Holy Spirit, to, be, to, be, to build our lives on the Bible, the truth of God's word, to, to be a part of the local church, not just coming, but also living, acting, serving, reaching, giving, building as your church. And Father, we see possibilities of what you can do, but we acknowledge today that it's going to be a stretching process. Thank you that you, your, your presence, your grace is with us in the stretch because you're growing us. Thank you that you love us enough, not just to give it to us, but you would help us to become something. Thank you for that kind of love. And for us as a church, God, we don't want to just go to a good church. We want to be a good church. We don't want to just be a church that has like different descriptions, but we want to be a church that is full of action, that we take your word and we put it into action in our everyday life. And so, Lord, today, grab our hearts with this message. Help us, Father, to see the importance of commitment to you. In Jesus' name. While your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, as your Lord and Savior. But even through the course of this message, you can feel and sense that the Holy Spirit was drawing you to Jesus. And you know today is the day to give your life to Him and make Him the Lord and Savior of your life. I want to ask everyone in this room to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me when I didn't even know you did. Thank you for going to the cross to pay the price for every sin that I've committed. Thank you, God, for loving me so much that you would include me in everything that you're doing. You said, come follow me. So today I make that decision. I will follow you. I surrender my life to you. And I choose to live your way, not mine. I'm all yours. Change my life from the inside out. Make me a new person, the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen.